if you're in Numbers chapter 13, say amen. amen. If you're reading in a paper Bible, say amen. amen. Okay, that, those numbers are going down and down every year. It's okay. It's okay. If you're reading in an iPhone Bible, say amen. 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 I love what uh, my friend Craig Darby told us. He said, those with paper Bibles, you're getting into heaven first. <laughs> iPhone Bibles, you're in second. Android, if there's any room left. Hey! I see what you did there. All right. Let's see if I can fight through some of these names here. The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the twelve ancestral tribes and send them out. So here's what's happening. God says to Moses... Moses, you're going to go into the promised land. This is why you left Egypt. You didn't leave Egypt to get stuck in the desert. I pulled you out of slavery because I want to take you into a promised land. So what I want you to do is I want you to get one leader from each tribe, and I want you to send them out as spies into the land. So Moses does it. Verse 21. So they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near Lebohamath. Going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron, where Ahman and Sheshai and Talmai, all descendants, descendants of Anak, lived. The, the ancient town of Hebron was founded seven years before the Egyptian city of Zoan. When they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. What do you think about that? They went into the promised land, they're spying it out, and they cut down some grapes. These weren't Welch's grapes that you get at the, at the grocery store. These things were so large that two men, the men were probably about five foot tall or so, maybe five and a half foot tall, so right about here, they're carrying it on a pole. These clusters of grapes were probably three foot tall, maybe, maybe taller. The grapes were like the size of a man's head. These were like seven-pound grapes, eight-pound grapes, ten-pound grapes. Holy smokes. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and the figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol, which means cluster because of the cluster of grapes that the Israelite men cut there. So they're bringing back fruit. They're bringing back a sample. And they come back to the Israelites. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned. To Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from their land. They said, man, this place is incredible. This was their report. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. It is amazing. It is everything you said it would be, Moses. It is everything that God said it would be. It is incredible. The fruit is huge. The land You've got to put this into perspective. They've been in slavery in Egypt. Now they're out in the desert. This place looked like heaven. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He's, Caleb, he stops, he says, oh, 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 oh. 
Let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. Place your hand on your Bible and let's pray today. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for this day, that it was a day that you marked on the calendar of heaven because you want to do something in our hearts and our minds. I, I pray that you would challenge us today with the power of your word. Open us up, Lord, that we might receive from you and that real change might begin today. I thank you for it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Let's go to the video screens for just a moment. What if you dreamed again? What if you found your purpose? What if you had wealth? What if you had better health? What if you had peace? What if you encountered God? What if the depression would leave? What if you had no regrets? What if you weren't living paycheck to paycheck? What if you could give? What if you didn't have to worry? What if your family and friends found God? What if you found love? What if you went back to school? What if you joined the gym? What if you took a vacation? What if you started a blog? What if you did apply for that job? What if you called and asked for forgiveness? What if there was more for your family? What if you were actually happy in your marriage? What if you started a business? What if you did own your own home? What if your life changed forever? One of the things that we've been really praying about is uh, we feel like God is asking this question of us. What if? And I want to challenge you to, to dream, to ask this question of yourself. What if? What if God answered my prayers? What if God fulfilled my dreams? What if God did what he promised he would do? What if God did everything he said he would do in his word? What if? Big plans, big dreams, big visions, big ideas. Asking these questions, what if? I know that for many of us, um, we, we're in the process of reaching our dreams. Others have accomplished their dreams, but you need to dream again because your life isn't over. The problem is this. Big dreams, big plans, big visions, almost every one of them cost money. You want to go on that vacation, buy the house, start your family, get married, whatever it might be, they cost money. You want to start that business you've been planning? It costs money. How many of you can say that um, you need some more money in your life? I just need some more money. I mean, you know, I'm not saying I'm broke, God. I'm not saying that I'm, you know, not blessed. I appreciate all that you've done for me, but I could use some more money. I, because these dreams, these plans, these visions, they cost more money. And if I want to do everything that God's called me to do, I'm going to need more money. That's okay. How many of you can say that you in your life would be willing to join with me and raise your hand and say, I've done something stupid with money in my life? Notice I have both hands up. When I was 17, I graduated from high school, started college in um, 1999, August of 1999. September 24th, I turned 18, and I was at Lamar, and uh, I went to, is it the Setzer Center? Is that what it is? That little gathering place and food and all that? It's all nice now. It wasn't nice back when I went decades ago. God, it's been so long. You know, I realize today I have been out of school longer than I was ever in school at this point in my life. 
in high school. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. So I go in there, and this, this guy is in there, and he says, man, you need to come talk to me. I'm like, sure, I've been looking for someone to talk to. And he says, let me just tell you how great it would be for you to have a Discover card in your life. I'm like, that sounds amazing. So I signed up for a Discover card, but I didn't hear anything for like a month. So I was like, well, I, I guess that didn't work. They don't want me and my money. So a few weeks later, I go in and there's another guy that says, hey, you know, a MasterCard would be great in your life. I'm like, well, Discover didn't want me, but MasterCard wants me, so I'm in because I like to be wanted and I like to be, you know, I like it when people want to be around me and want my money. So I signed up for a MasterCard. It wasn't but just a few weeks later that both came in the mail. By the time I finished my freshman year of college, I had racked up almost $10,000 worth of debt. Now listen, I would like to tell you that I spent that money on things that were moving my life forward. I started a business. I, I, I used it to go to school. No, I wasted it. I honestly don't know what I spent it on other than food. Come on, I mean, I'm a college kid, man. I was, I was eating like five meals a day. I was on the five meal a day plan. And I don't mean like the, five, the snacks. I mean like the full-fledged five meals a day plan. And, and then I, I, did, I bought a, bear, a pair of rollerblades. I decided one day that I was going to start working out. And to do that, I wanted to rollerblade because that was good exercise and it would be fun. And I could do the fancy tricks like they do on the X Games. I, I don't think I ever used them. Only thing I remember about them is when my car got stolen, they stole my rollerblades out of the trunk. I wasted all of it. Dumb. That was one of the stupidest things I've ever done. You know how long it took me to pay off that debt? I got married, had kids, and was carrying a mountain of debt, barely paying minimum payments, and could not get anywhere. Oh, because I thought it would be cool to throw that. They, get, they sent me a, a platinum Discover card. $6,000 worth of credit on that thing. I thought I was bad to the bone. And I'm going out with my friends like, no, 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 I got this. <laughs> I was the guy on the commercials, you know, that's like, no, 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 I've got the check today. <laughs> I couldn't afford it. I've done some stupid things with money over my life. I've, I've wasted it. I've blown it. But, you know, th maybe this is just comforting to me to know that I'm not the only one. Because some of you right now, you're looking at me with disgust, like I'm not very intelligent. And, well, here's the deal. Right now, the average debt for a 21-year-old is $12,000, most of it consumer debt. The average debt for a 28-year-old is $78,000. When we graduate from college, the average student has $22,000 worth of student loans that will take them decades to pay off if they ever get it done. But it's not just students. So quit looking at the college students and be like, you are terrible, you're wasting money. Here's the deal. 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck right now. 70% of Americans could not afford to miss one paycheck. 50% of Americans, um, only 50% of Americans have one, worth, one month's worth of uh, reserves. 50% of Americans could not make it one month. 28% of Americans couldn't make it two weeks before they'd go bankrupt. They would lose it all. 
It's the college kids. They don't know how to handle their funds. Neither do the rest of us. And so we come in and we we talk about the great things that God has for us, the plans, the ideas. We look at the dreams, uh, uh, you know, and we say, man, God, we we preach that you can be debt free and, and you can have wealth and you can own your own home and God wants you to start your own business. But we say, just like the 10 spies did, it would be incredible, but there's no way to get there from here. I can't do it. I, 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 I can't accomplish that because I don't have the money and I'll never be able to get it. You can be debt free. God wants you to be debt free. No, 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 no. I, that, that's for someone else. I mean, I know that God might want that for me, but I can't accomplish that. And we're looking like the 10 spies at the promised land. Why did they see it that way? Well, because they had been slaves for 400 years. They didn't know how to conquer a land. All they knew, knew how to do was make bricks. And now God's saying, you're going to go conquer this entire land. I'm going to give it to you, but you're going to have to conquer it. And they're saying, we can't do it. You see, it's really tough for slaves in their slave mentality to see positives, to, to believe that God might actually want to use them to accomplish big things. That's always for someone else. That's always for someone else to do, but not for me because we're looking through a slave mentality. So these guys were looking. It's it's really tough for slaves to see a light at the end of the tunnel and not think that it's an oncoming train. It's tough for a slave to look at the promised land that they have been dreaming about for hundreds and hundreds of years and not say, no, we just can't do it. You know what? Here's the problem. Most Americans... Most Christians are slaves, even though we don't know it. I'm going to read you a verse that I do not like. Can I, I'm just going to tell you right up. I love a, you know, I'll tell you all the time. This is one of my favorite verses. I hate this verse. You want to see it? You're going to hate it too. I'm, t- I'm telling you, you're not going to like this verse. Proverbs 22 and 7. Here's what the Word of God says. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. I hate this verse because this verse says that no matter what country you're from, no matter what nation you're from, no matter what culture you're from, no no matter what generation you are, this verse has been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The Word of God declares that this is true. The rich rule over the poor and I don't want the rich to rule me. Wow, it's, 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 it's rich people and it's a, it's a government and it's this and this. No, this is the word of God. I don't have to like it, but doesn't make it not true. Then he said this, the borrower is slave to the lender. I do not want to be a slave in my life. Paul said, it is for freedom that Christ has set me free, and yet I have enslaved myself. I can't blame it on anyone else. I can't look at them and say, well, they did it to me and they did it to me. No, no, no. no. I did it myself. I made the decision to put myself in slavery. Well, I don't feel like it's that way. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That is straight from the Word of God. Pick any version you want to. It's almost identical. How many of you don't like this verse either? But this is true. It's one of the most true things that we have to understand in our life. The rich rule the poor and and the borrower is slave to the lender. 
I am tired of being a slave. So we're slaves and we're, and we're looking at these what ifs. Dream big. You can do it. But I don't have the money. I want to go back to school and I want to finish my education so that I can move up. Or maybe I want to start this business or I want to be a, a, a nurse or a doctor or whatever it is you might want to be. Oh, but I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it because I can't afford it. We're looking at the what ifs in our life just like the that like the former slaves spies were looking at the promised land the Bible says that the rich rule the poor it's not just an American thing we, we, we live in the land of opportunity the problem is we can't afford the opportunity Maybe, I mean, I've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity come along, and I just said, incredible opportunity. I can't afford it. How many opportunities have come by in your life, in your lifetime, that you said, would have been great, what could have been, but I couldn't afford it. I couldn't do it. We don't even want to ask the question, if I could do anything I wanted to, what would that be? because we know we can't do anything we want to be. I don't want to waste my time asking a question like that. We'll leave that to the kids. Let them be the dreamers. I've got to go out and try to provide. We say, if I had the money, I would, but I don't. You know, I have a bucket list full of things that I would love to do, but I can't afford. And I'm determined not to live my life that way. What would you do if, you, if, if money were not an issue? Would you buy a home? Would you get a new car that, that drives? Would you get married? Would you start a family? Would you start a business? Would you go on a mission trip? Would you take a vacation? Would you adopt a child? Would you help the poor? Would you start a ministry? What would you do if money were not a problem in your life? Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 19 says this, Money is the answer for everything. Money's the answer for everything. If I had more money, I could seize the opportunity. If I had more money, I could do more for God. If I had more money, I could give my kids a better opportunity. If I had more money, I could help more people. If I had more money, I could spread the gospel around the globe. If I had more money, we could do more for his kingdom. I don't, I don't have more money. Money's the answer for everything. I just need more money. How many things... Are you looking at like the 10 spies did the promised land saying it would be incredible, but I just can't. You see, most people will never see their dreams become a reality because of money problems. But you don't have to be one of them. You don't have to be one of them. You don't have to be one of them. Look at your neighbor and say, I know you don't believe him, but I don't have to be one of them. Come on now, y'all are just staring at me. I'm up here by myself. That's okay. We need a change of perspective in our life. Because here's what the Bible says, and this is our core verse for the first few weeks of this series as we, as we ask the question, what if? Here's what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant which He swore to your ancestors as it is today. You have the ability to produce wealth, and that's what God wants for you. 
He doesn't want you to look like the spies and say, man, I just, we can't do it. There's no way. No, no, no. He wants you to be like Joshua and Caleb and say, yes, we can because he has given us the ability to produce wealth. I don't have to be ruled by the rich because God wants me to be one of them. Wait a minute, I know, I know, I know that I just, I just dove right off into it right there, and you're like, money is bad, and it's not good to want more, and it's not good to want things, it's not good to want money, Pastor Renan, you are off in all that stuff right now. Let me just lay it out to you. This is God who said, I'm giving you the ability to produce wealth. Because here's the first thing I want you to know, there's four truths that can, that can change your life and help you realize your what ifs. One is this, wealth is not evil money's not evil it's just not having wealth having money having nice things is not evil you, you, you can't just look at people that are driving a nicer car than you and say well that's because they're just evil they need to go to church give their life to God they need to pray more they need to do more for his kingdom they might be doing more for you and you than you and you don't even know it you see, what money does is this. Um, money reveals what's really in you and what your real motivations are. And so money and wealth is not an evil thing. Wanting God to bless your life financially, if you go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 8, he talks about, I'm going to make you rich when you get there. When you're enjoying your riches, make sure you know it was the Lord who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So it can't be evil if it's coming from God. If it's part of its blessing, it can't be evil. Here's the, here, here's the deal. I can take this, um, this cash and, uh, uh, huh? Vance, jump up here real fast. But since you volunteered, I'm going to use you. Vance, no, no, stay right, stay right here. I need you. See, I can take some cash here. I can take, um, I can take this $10 right here. And I could use it for good. I could say, Vance, I'm going to buy you lunch today. All right. <laughs> Is there anything evil about me buying Vance lunch today? Vance is one of our interns here. does a great job, serves every day. Really yeah. proud of this guy. I'm going to buy you lunch today, Vance. I could say, Vance, you're going on a mission trip. I want you to take this $10 and I want you to use it to bless uh, an orphan or, a, or a someone while you're on your mission trip. Those are not evil things, are they? I can say, Vance, I want you to take this money and I want you to put it towards buying yourself a car and, and, and get yourself a, a new vehicle. How's that sound? Great. <laughs> are any of those things evil? This, this $10 is not evil. Now, tell you what else I could do. Say, Vance, I'm going to give you this $10, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to go punch Pastor Albert right in the face. Yes. You don't have to pay me. <laughs> I don't have to pay him. <laughs> okay. For the sake of the in illustration, <laughs> the answer is I'm not doing it for ten dollars. Okay. I'm not doing it for ten dollars. Okay. You see, you won't do it for ten dollars. You're not very convincing here. Work with me here. Work with me here. There's people watching all over the country and they need you to be into this. Will you go punch him in the face for $10? No, that's evil. That's evil. Thank you. Evil. Thank you. That's what, I'd never do that. I would never do that. Now you're with me. Okay. How about this? For $20, will you do it? No. <laughs> what are you doing to these guys during the week? 
for twenty dollars. All you've got to do is go just throat punch him. You don't even have to hurt your hand on his jaw. Just throat punch him and walk away like what? And then and then I'll give you twenty dollars. No, that's no, th th no. Okay, thank you. <laughs> How about for fifty? No, that's evil. <laughs> You wouldn't go punch your pastor for $50? No, that's evil. That's evil? It's evil. Wrong. So let me ask you this question. What would it take? How much? That's your question? No, that's a real question. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> depends who's watching. We're all watching. You've got to do it right here. You'll do it for $5? Come on, man. $100? $1,000? Would you do it for $1,000? wouldn't because it's evil. You wouldn't because, but no amount. No amount. I, if I put a hundred thousand dollars in cash right here, you wouldn't go punch him no. and then split it with him. <laughs> He's like, "Come on!" Huh? He said, "Pay your tithes and give your offering." And most of us. Wouldn't take money to go punch a pastor. Few of you would. <laughs> but most of us wouldn't. But there are things in our life that we get pulled to do that we wouldn't do it for a few bucks, but when the numbers get to a certain point or when our need gets to a certain point of desperation, we would do things we would have never done before. The money is not evil. Enjoy your day, bud. Really? Mm hmm Thank you. The money is not evil. It's not. But here's the problem with money. Two things I want you to know about money. First of all, money, the temptation is that it will tempt you to be a slave. Money wants you to be a slave. We are tempted to be a slave money. Here's what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. He said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. If you're reading the New King James Version, he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the spirit behind money that's trying to enslave you and trying to rule you. It wants to control you. You can't do both. You can't love God and serve God and be enslaved to money. They are at odds. And, the, and, and one will win out. One will win out. One, one will be leading. And God doesn't take second place in your life. He takes first or nothing. And so if you are enslaved to money and you're falling in love with money, uh, then, then you are removing God out of the place in your life. Money is not evil, but love it, being enslaved to money is wrong and it is not the way God wants it to be. When you're spending money that you don't have, and not giving to God when you're hoarding instead of having a spirit of generosity like God did for us when you're fighting to move up at the expense of your family and your walk with God 
First, we are tempted to be a slave to money. Secondly, we are tempted to love money. Paul said it like this to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money, notice he didn't say that money. He said the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You fall in love with money, first of all, it'll cost you your walk with God. And secondly, it will end in sorrow and grief and pain. But I love this. How do you know if you love money? Or do you crave it? <clears throat> My wife, uh, she's always loved hamburgers. You know, how many of you like a good hamburger? I like a good, I like a good burger quite regularly. I hadn't had one in a while, thinking that might be on the lunch menu for today. Wait, no, that's not on my diet plan. Okay, turkey roll up it is. All right. My wife likes burgers. When we were pregnant with my son, she craved Fuddruckers. We lived right around the corner from Fuddruckers at the time. She craved it. She woke up in the morning wanting Fuddruckers. Baby, the Fuddruckers is not open. You cannot have Fuddruckers for breakfast. Okay, when we're having it for lunch... Like the moment they opened, we would be at Fuddruckers eating lunch. We, I, we ate Fuddruckers so often that I would call them to put in a to-go order. They would recognize my voice and say, it'll be ready in 15 minutes, Mr. Clark. <laughs> she would get done with, with her lunch, with her burger, and she would sit back. And about five minutes later, she would say, what are we having for dinner? I'm like, I don't know. I was thinking we might branch out a little bit. We might cook something here at the house. I'm thinking Fuddruckers. What are you thinking? <laughs> Am I telling the truth right now? Every day, Fuddruckers for nine months, at least once a day, often twice a day. Why? Because she was craving it. She had to have it. She wanted it. She didn't care about health. She didn't care about a balanced diet. She didn't care about what I wanted. She didn't care about what our daughter wanted. She cared about the cravings that were driving her that said, I want Fuddruckers. Ladies, when you were pregnant, did you have a craving? Can you remember that? Men, can you remember chasing things down, sick to death of it? When my daughter was, uh, when she was pregnant with my daughter, it was chicken fingers. I, I didn't want any more chicken fingers, but that's all we had to have was chicken fingers. Funny thing about my son is, all those burgers she ate, and now he doesn't eat meat. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Craving. Here's what Paul said. When you're craving money, you know you're in love with it. When you're craving things, you know that you're in love with it. When you're craving it, that's when money becomes a problem. That's when wealth becomes a problem. When you, when you can't think about anything else because you have to go for it. You have to reach out there. You have to spend money you don't have. You have to push other people down. You have to, you have to spread rumors about the other people at work so you can be the one to get the promotion. You're in a sales job and you, and you push the line where you're not telling the truth anymore to the potential buyer, but you're straight lying. Why? Because you know that if you can get this sale, you can get that money on the other side. All kinds of evil. It ends up with problems in your life and we end up falling away from God. Do you crave money? Do you crave things? Listen, it's totally okay to like things. It's totally okay to want things. 
but we have to stop short of craving them and loving them. How do we keep from being money and being a slave to money or falling in love with money? Simple. We remember it is the Lord who gives us the ability to produce wealth. We keep our intention on God. He is my source. I like money. I do. Nothing wrong with liking money. I like money and I like nice things. But I don't love money and I don't serve money and I'm not enslaved to money. See, here's the thing. I don't serve money. I serve God. Money serves me as I serve God. You might want to write that down. Get that in you. I don't serve money. I serve God. Money serves me as I serve God. Like money all you want to, but don't love it, don't crave it, and don't be enslaved by it. Serve God and let money serve you while you serve God. So number one, money is not evil. Wealth is not evil. Number two, uh, I'm going to have to pick up the pace. My clock's broken down here. I'm sorry for that. Uh, But I'm going to pick up the pace a little bit. We have the ability to produce wealth. This is what the Bible says. You have this ability to produce wealth. Now, I grew up reading this verse in the New King James Version. It says it's something like this. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. A great way to say it. The thing is, uh, our English language is a rather weak language. So there are a number of different words that we just translate as power. And we all think of it the same. But really, God was trying to say something a little bit different than what might be going into your brain. So I read in this New Living Translation, I really began to study the Hebrew of what was going on here. And this version really spoke to me. It really unlocked what God was trying to say in this verse. You see, when I think of power, it's kind of a spiritual term. It's kind of like, well, you know, either you have it or you don't. God's giving you this supernatural power, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, some people have a lot of it, and some people have none of it. But, you know, you just kind of get what you get, and and you have power, and that's great. But then I read this and I begin to study, he says, ability. Now, when I think about ability, that says to me, I can learn that. What God has put in me, I can develop it. I, I, can, I, can, I can hone it. It, it. It's something I can work on. I can go to the gym. I, I may not be the strongest person in the world naturally, but I can go to the gym, and I can work on it, and I can get stronger. Right? I can take what God has put in me and I can get better at it. I can multiply it. I can get stronger at it. And the same thing as it relates to the ability to, get, to produce wealth in your life. You, God has given you ability, but then you have to do something with it. You have to work on it. You have to get some knowledge. You have to put it into practice. They say that, that 20% of the problem is a knowledge problem. 80% of it is a habit problem or a behavior problem. We're not doing anything with it. We know that we should be doing this, but we don't do it. Therefore, we stay where we are. I have this ability. So, there's something I can't do, I can work on it. There's something I don't know, I can learn it. I can get stronger. I can get better. I have the ability to produce wealth. Now, I love this word produce because when I read the word get, it implies to me, I think back to when I was a kid, when I was like 16, I just had my driver's license. My mom would give me some money and say, go to the store and get some milk or whatever. You remember that? Like it was, it was, a, it was a pleasure to get to drive and go to the store and buy her milk. You didn't care about buying the milk. You just wanted to drive the car. And so I'd go down there and you go to the grocery store and you pay your money and they give you the milk. But it, it didn't cost me anything. It wasn't my money. 
I was just driving, I was just enjoying the ride and I walked out with milk that would be a blessing to my family. And when I think about the word get, we can, we can also often think that God is in this business of just handing out free stuff all the time. Like we're all just sitting around here waiting for us to win the spiritual lottery when God opens up the windows of heaven and suddenly we have millions of dollars and we don't even know where it came from. And I know we don't want to think about that, but many of us, when we read these verses, we kind of live, we, we kind of think about it in those terms, that suddenly God's just going to, listen, I believe, and I'm praying for checks in the mail, debts canceled and demolished, right? In Jesus' name. But you know what? In the meantime, that's not normally the way God works. He gives us this ability to produce. Now, produce means I've got to work at it. Produce means I've got to work the ground. Produce means I've got to water it. I've got to plant something. I've got to do some things right. Produce means I'm engaged in the process. And over the course of time, I end up, the result is God's blessed me with wealth. But there's this process that I have to do something to produce it. I, I, you know, here's the thing. God spoke this at a time when the Israelites were in the desert and they would walk out every morning and there would be manna on the ground and they would grab it up and they would grab a few quail and they would walk back to their camp and they would cook it for the day. The problem with that is there was no sustainability outside the miraculous power of God. That wasn't God's plan for them. There are seasons in your life when you are reliant upon the miraculous power of God every single day. But that's not how he wants you to live. He wants you to have the ability to produce wealth. So he said, if that was it, he would have left them in the desert. Or when they went in the promised land, he would say, I'm just going to keep providing manna. No, 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 no. He wanted them to be farmers and ranchers and business owners. He wanted them to produce wealth in their life. And that's what God wants for you. That's the way of the kingdom of God. He gives you this ability. The question is, what are you going to do with it? You have the ability to produce wealth. Number three. Or, or let me just say this to you. Uh, in this series, we're going to give you some practical tools, some information, some biblical promises, to te- uh, uh, principles to teach you how to gain wealth in your life. We're going to break it down. We're gonna, I, listen, I, wanna, I want wealth but I don't want it the world's way. I want it God's way. And so we're going to look at it. So it's going to be practical tools, information. Uh, we're going to have some, uh, we're going to have some life teams. Uh, I, I know that uh, uh, Martin and Amanda over here lead a, lead a financial peace life team most every semester uh, session. And they're helping people get out of debt and get back control of their finances where they're not serving money, but money is serving them. And so we'll have others. We want you to get signed up to be a part of that. Learn, grow. Um, and we're doing this uh, as a church. Uh, we're going to be having on February the 12th, we're going to be having some interviews, and I'll be interviewing uh, some financial experts, some business people, things like that, and asking specific questions on how that might apply to your life, and, so, so, and, and what God says about this, or what do we do about that. And if you want to ask a question at any point throughout this series, there's a blue card in your seat back pocket, looks just like this. And uh, you can grab one of those. You can fill it out. Ask any question you want to. You can put your name on it. We, and if we can contact you and follow up, if we can help you. If you say, no, I don't want my name on it, don't let that stop you from turning the question. Put it in any of the offering buckets, the connection desk, or, or the uh, offering uh, bins in, in the lobby, in the foyer. You can turn those in any time between now and February the 12th. The other thing we're going to be doing is uh, I want to I have available to all of our campuses a list of financial experts that can help you. 
This might be uh, tax agents. This might be um, financial planners. This might be uh, insurance agents that can help you uh, save money and better protect your family, uh, life insurance, all types of things. Uh, this could be um, anything related to, to finances, people that, that will meet with you and help you look at your family and your budget and help you move from where you are to where God wants you to be, all types of things. And if you have a business that does any of those and you want it to be on this list, I want you to email us to let us know. I know some of them, but I don't want to miss anybody. So if you do any of those things and you want to help people, um, and, but this is your business. You don't have to do it for free. If you want to, that's fine. But you don't have to do it for free. But if you want to be on that list, email us at amen at triumphchurch.com or on your app. Over on the left, you just click amen. Give us all your information, and we'll make sure we get it on that list. I want every, I want, because here's the thing. I want to do money God's way, and I would love to have godly people helping other godly people be free from the bondage to money. Okay, so if you want to be on that, make sure you contact us. And um, okay, and so let me, let me keep moving here. Number three, this ability is a gift from God. I, I love this verse. He says, it's the Lord your God for he gives you the ability. He gives you the ability. He gives you the ability. It is a gift. Matthew 7, 11. So you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Let me ask you this question. Have you ever asked God for the ability to produce wealth? I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying have you ever asked God for a miracle or have you ever asked God to give you a one-time thing or to do this or do that or get that job or to, to give you the house. No, no, I'm saying have you ever said to God, God, I want you to give me the gift. I'm asking you for the gift to, and the ability to produce wealth. He gives it. You can't earn it. He just wants to give it to you. Have you asked him, though? Um, you ever met those people... They just make money. Just doesn't matter what they do. You don't even really know what they're doing. They just go around and like, they just like have lunch with people and talk on the phone and yet they make a lot of money. You're like, man, I am working 60 hours a week, slaving away, hot, dirty, all these things. And I, don't, I don't know how they do it. Money's just easy for them. And they don't understand why money is hard for the rest of us. They don't understand why, why people struggle with money and struggle to make money and struggle to uh, do their finances correctly. They don't understand. Now, it's a gift. It's a gift. Here's the thing. God wants you to have that gift. God wants you to have that gift. And that's number four. This gift is for you. It's so easy to allow the enemy to convince us that this message, this ability, this power is for someone else. It's not for me. It's for somebody down the road. But I, want, I came here today because I want you to know this gift is for you. This ability is for you. You can produce wealth in your life. It doesn't make you evil. It doesn't make you ungodly or less than godly. But God wants you to have this. Biggest enemies to our financial freedom. Bad habits. A lack of knowledge, past failures, listening to the wrong voices, and not believing that it's God's will for your life to reach the what-ifs that you have, to accomplish the dreams, to have financial freedom. So I end here today. What spy will you be this year? It's great. It would be incredible. I would love to be debt-free. I would love to own my own home. I would love to start a family. I'd love to start a business, but I just can't do it. 
I, I just can't do it because it, it's too big. It's too much. There's no way. I don't make enough money, Pastor Rannon. You don't understand. I can't make it now. How do you think I'm ever going to get there? Or you're going to be Joshua and Caleb. He says, you know what? This is my year. And I may not can on my own. God has put this power, this ability in me to produce wealth and I can reach my dreams and I can accomplish my goals and I can do big things for the kingdom of God. My family doesn't have to live in lack. My family doesn't have to live in poverty. It might take some time and it might take some difficult choices, but I know that God wants more for me and my family. Which spy will you be? It starts with a choice. And in a minute, I want to pray for you, but I want to end with this one last verse. And we're going to read it from in the, living, in the Living Bible, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us, within you, within you, within you single moms, within you single dads, within you retired couple, Within you, hourly laborer. Within you, looking for a job right now. Within you, stuck. He's put this power within us. Is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. You dreaming? God wants to do more. He's put it in you to do more. Well, that's a big dream. Yeah, he's put it in you to do that and more. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, our desires, our thoughts, or our faint hopes, God has given it and he's placed it in you. What will you do with it this year? I want to pray over those that say, I want this year to be my year. I don't want to be, I don't want to be uh, ruled by the, by the rich and I don't want to be the slave to the lender. I, I don't want to be controlled by money. I don't, want to, I don't want to love money. I don't want to be enslaved by money. But I want wealth God's way. I want my family to have everything that God has promised. I want to be blessed in my life and I want to be a blessing to other people in my life. I want to give when I've never been able to give because I didn't have it. I want to give. I want to see my dreams. I want to, I want to start the business. I want to get out of debt. If that's you this morning, I want to pray over you. And I want to speak this word over your life. If you would just stand with me this morning. If you're watching online right now, I just want to encourage you to stand with us. Wherever you are, if you can, stand. If you can, maybe you can raise a hand. Uh, but just some way to acknowledge that we're praying for you and say, God, that's me. God, that's me. God, that's me. Father, I pray for every person here that is declaring that this is the year of what if. This is the year of big dreams. This is the year of big plans. This is the year of great visions. This is the year that we get out of debt. This is the year uh, that, that we are not bound by finances, but God, we are free to accomplish everything that you've uh, called us to accomplish. This is the year that we can, we can uh, see that, those things on our bucket list that we never thought would happen, but we can see them come to pass. This is the year that we're able to afford a vacation and have a great Christmas for our kids without going into debt. This is the year that you set us free from the bondage of money this, this, the, that money wants to enslave us that we, we're not going to be in love with money but God it's okay to like money it's okay to desire wealth because you want it for us you desire it
it for us. But God, we are seeking you first this year. We want to do it your way. We want to make sure that you're our God and you're our Lord and you're our Savior and you're in the first place in our lives. So Father, I break every spirit of poverty that has tried to come and attack us, maybe for generations. Father, there are people here that are saying, I'm broke. My father was broke. My grandfather was broke. My family has always been broke. We always will be. I come against those words right now and I declare that, declare that they end today. And like Joshua and Caleb, we will look to our promised land and we'll say that's what God wants for us and that's what we're going to have because God and his power and his ability are being placed in us. I speak it over us. This is our year, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people said, amen. 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 Do you believe that this morning? All right, don't miss a week. Don't miss a week. Don't miss a week. Get involved. Get engaged. And, and I believe that God is going to give you the ability to produce wealth. And change starts today.